Hey guys, and welcome to the Imperfect Company Podcast. I'm Mariah. And I'm Arlena. And today's little intro, we're recording uh, a little bit early because I am about to go up north for basically a week. It's the last time that I go up north for the summer. Um, We go like about five hours um, north in Wisconsin. Um, I have no access to internet at all, which is one of the beauties of it. But it's actually uh, my boyfriend, John. 30th birthday. So um, uh, we're celebrating hard this time. Dirty 30. I know. He's like, he says that he doesn't want to do anything special and he doesn't want gifts or whatever. And I'm like, like, I am the kind of person who it's so funny because we talked about this, about how I, my language of love last, uh, last week is gift giving. And John's the kind of person that hates gifts. Like he likes them if I surprise him with them with them but like otherwise he isn't really that fond of them he never gives me any ideas he really just doesn't want anything so um it's an interesting dynamic i guess i have to find other ways to like keep the love alive (laughs) (laughs) no i totally understand that i'm the same way Uh, obviously i had a birthday last month and i'm actually like pretty notorious for just asking for like ious from like adam or my parents or even his parents you know they'll be like can we get you like a gift card to somewhere special? Or like, is there something you're needing? And I thought once we had the house that gifts would be a little bit easier, which I think maybe it is, but it's still like, you know, Adam still hasn't got me anything for my birthday because I'm just like, I don't know. And every time I'm like, "Mm, I think I'm going to buy this. He's like, why don't you let me get it for you for your birthday? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't really want that for a birthday gift. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, why why get it for a birthday gift when you can just buy it right now? (laughs) I know. I know. It's so funny, but it also like, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I don't want anything. And then I'm like disappointed. I just genuinely like don't want anything. I would rather us do like experiences. Um, so I'm always trying to do that with like Christmas gifts. I always like to like try to gift an experience if possible, but yeah, I think really like as an adult, it can be hard to think of like Mm -hmm. tangible gift ideas sometimes because you just buy things that you want. I think having a house makes it, I I don't know. I feel like it makes it a little bit easier. Cause like when you're talking, when you're thinking about getting gifts for like your parents or, you know, something, whatever, like the main gifts come to mind that all moms love, like candles and plants and things like that. And that's the kind of stuff that I love. And now that I have a house, I can use that. Like I would love to just have like unlimited plants in my house. So like, if you want to get me a gift, maybe get me a plant, like that's easy enough, but yeah, I, it's weird. I'm, I'm also kind of weird about gifts. So I understand it. Like I'm not good at coming up with ideas. Cause yeah, if I want right. it, I'll buy it. Like there's no, I, I try to come up with like a list of things that I don't know if I would buy for myself, uh, which is hard because like, I'm usually just kind of like, whatever, like if I feel like I need it or feel like I want it, then treat like treat yourself. Right. No, no. I'm the exact same way where it's like, okay, if it's something more expensive, like, okay, well I'll just, you know, budget the next few months and treat myself then. Or, you know, normally I am really bad about just buying myself like, like impulse spending where, mm-hmm. um, like in the drawer next to me, I have like a baby Yoda pen because I saw it on Amazon and I, it was like seven bucks and I was like, but I have to have it. And so little things like that, I love to just like grab for myself. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Impulse spending. And I know, I guess, I guess my birthday this year was a little bit easier. Like I already knew that I was asking my parents for a saw. Like I wanted a, I wanted a miter saw for my birthday. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think last year for my birthday, I ended up, I think my parents ended up getting me something like a little bit nicer than they probably would have gotten me and like combined my birthday and Christmas together because like I still hadn't given them a birthday idea like by the time Christmas rolled around. But I'm like, well, you know, oh, well. <laughs> Uh, yeah. For John's birthday, it's like, he's like, yeah, all I want to do is go up north. Like, or I think we're going to go for like a fancier dinner with his aunt and uncle up north, which is like finding someplace like really fancy up there is kind of hard because it's like all like dives and like fish fries and things. <laughs> There's like bars. I know you already explained to the listeners that like going up north means like northern Wisconsin, but you, yeah. you want to like kind of mention like what the area is, like yeah, what you so guys normally do. It's it's kind of weird. So if you've never been like up north, Wisconsin, Minnesota, any of those places, it's like once you get past a certain portion of the state, you go into up north where everything is really like old, like cabin vibe, like things are really like old timey and really interesting, very like outdoorsy. And, you know, there's fishing places all all over and lakes all over, whatever. And so when we go up, we go to a town that's right on the border of Wisconsin, Upper Michigan, which is about a four and a half, five hour drive from where we are in, in Milwaukee. And I mean, the drive is long, but it's really a beautiful drive because it's like up north is really beautiful. But um, we usually end up just hanging out on the lake, fishing. I've gotten sort of into fishing. I'm not like a great fisherman or anything. And I only fish for the tiny fishes because I don't like the big ones. I'm terrified of like <laughs> musky and like the ones with teeth. So I'm like, I try to avoid them. And I usually don't like swimming in the lake either because I know that there's musky in Northern, which both have teeth, even though I know they're afraid of me, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We just do things like that and like go be outdoorsy. There's like a like a waterfall pretty close, which is kind of fun and like little hiking spots. Um, but for the most part, I just kind of chill out and relax. And the best part is that there's no internet access. So I it can force like, you to unplug. Yes, it does. And it's really nice because I know that when I come back from up north, I'm always like ready to go like so excited because I just had like this so like nice weekend where I was not on my computer the whole time. I'm going to circle back to something you said as you were talking about going up north because you're like, well, it's kind of a long drive, but and <laughs> it is like I had to like hold back laughter because it's so funny to me. Like Adam and I had just have been driving like halfway across the country back and forth mm -hmm. so much the last like year or two that now I'm like, oh, five hours like that mm -hmm. is nothing. I got that. Um, yeah. And so it's so funny whenever I talk to other people like when we came back from Maryland. It was like, a, I don't know. 11, 12 hour drive, maybe. Mm -hmm. But people are like, I can't believe that you did that in one day. I was like, that's nothing. Cause normally mm -hmm. our drives are like 15 hours, 19 hours, 24 hours, you know, like yeah. you have to split it up. Yeah. I don't drive like that far, but I am used to like a exactly five hour drive because that's how long it took to get to school in Minnesota too. So when I would go back and forth, uh, that's how long the drive was. So it's really not that bad. And that's why we make the drive because like whatever. <laughs> it's, it's not like too long. It just feels like a long time, especially when I have like back issues and things. That's a whole other issue. But like, I'm like an old lady. 
side. Yeah, well, and when you're like driving through the middle of nowhere, I think sometimes drives like feel longer too, because like Mm -hmm. there's nothing, or I don't know about you, and this is probably TMI for y'all listening, but I'll say it anyway that like I feel like it's only when I'm in the middle of nowhere that like I immediately have the urge to pee and like Mm -hmm. I need to go now, but I can't because like I'm just in the middle of nowhere trapped. So I'm just like crossing my fingers and like waiting for the next gas station. Like, when are we going to see it? Like looking on my Apple maps and like I don't have service or something and I'm like panicking because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to just go on the side of the road. I need to get like to a gas station. Thankfully, we've always made it to a gas station so far in my life, but we have had some close calls where I'm like concerned. Uh, I think mine is like, it's just that I we do the drive so often. We do it like three or four times throughout the summer. And that's where it like starts getting boring because it's the same drive repetitive. Over, and over again. Yeah. Like if I was driving somewhere else, it might be more interesting, but like it's repetitive. But I still like going up there. Not only is it John's 30th birthday, but it's also Labor Day weekend. And so a good long weekend is always a great excuse to celebrate anything. And just obviously like summer coming to an end. I know a lot of people like to take um, an excuse to get away, even if it's just a staycation. Obviously last year and this year are a little bit different with COVID. um, But thankfully due to vaccines, I think we're all getting, you know, just inching our way back to being able to be normal. Adam and I are going to go visit my parents. So again, that's like a just under five hour drive for us too. And we're super pumped about that. And again, just being closer to them. I think I've mentioned that in a previous episode, but we'd love to hear about what y'all are doing this Labor Day. This episode is actually going live the Thursday after Labor Day. So we would love to have pictures, DM us or tag us in your story with what you've done on Labor Day weekend. If you did anything, even if it was just stay at home and chill, uh, that is one of Mariah and I's favorite pastimes is like sitting on the couch and eating a snack and doodling on our iPad and um, nothing beats like a good relaxing weekend. Or if you're working like I would be if I wasn't going up north (laughs) because I have boundary issues. Also very true. We talked about what we're doing. And one of the things I'm taking a break from going up north is my Etsy shop. So that's a good segue into today's episode topic, which we're talking about kind of the basics of Etsy and the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, let's get into it. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that the majority of you listening to this episode are already familiar with what Etsy is. But if you aren't, Etsy kind of just coins themselves as a global marketplace for unique and creative goods. Generally speaking, these are handmade goods, or at least it was kind of at its conception at the beginning of Etsy. It's obviously branched out. Like for example, I sell my stickers on Etsy, which to be fair are handmade. I make them by hand. But obviously with the changes in technology, uh, what people are able to make at home has changed a lot. And so Etsy has really expanded and you can find so many different artists and really amazing, amazing things on Etsy. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a platform to sell handmade goods or goods for crafting purposes. Um, But I think a lot of shops kind of get around that by pretending like they hand make things, which is a whole other issue. But uh, that's the like kind of bread and butter of what Etsy is and what if you're looking to sell something, what you're supposed to be selling on Etsy. You might be thinking, okay, what does this type of platform cost for a business? And that's always kind of like the big discussion around Etsy, because you'll hear some people say like Etsy takes so much in fees. And you know, Etsy does take a lot in fees, I guess, but at the same time, like running your own website, 
you still have a lot of costs associated. You're just not seeing them come out necessarily with each sale the way that you do with Etsy. Um, so anyway, that is a whole different topic, which I'm sure we're going to get into in just a bit. But first, I wanted just to cover um, the fees that are associated with Etsy as of us recording this episode, which is um, the very end of August 2021. First up, we have our listing fee. So a listing fee as of right now is 20 cents. If you list multiple quantities of the same item, that initial listing fee again will be 20 cents. And then the listing is automatically renewed at 20 cents after each of that item sells. So for example, if you have 10 of the same thing, that 20 cents is taken out for each time you are listing that item. Up next, we have our transaction fee. And so basically when you make a sale through Etsy, you're charged a transaction fee of 5% of the price that you display for each listing, plus the amount that you're charging for shipping and or gift wrapping. And if you're wondering where we're getting these fees from, or you want to see more information about each, I would encourage you to visit www.etsy.com forward slash legal forward slash fees forward slash, because that's where we got all of this information from. It is listed right there. Um, they're pretty transparent about it. It just, um, you know, takes some digging for you to get to the bottom of the website, I guess, and read about it. There are also other fees like advertising costs. If you wanted to pay to promote your items or, um, little things like that, but we're not going to get into that. We really want to keep this episode kind of surface level and just give an introductory to what we think the good, the bad, and the ugly is associated with Etsy because we are both sellers on Etsy. Uh, did you know that, um, I don't know if anyone knows this, but, uh, that Etsy fees, from like, I don't know when exactly this was, but they used to only charge that uh, like 5% fee on your listing price. So like how much you sold it for and not charge it on your shipping price. But people are taking advantage of that and like being, uh, they were charging like $1 for their item and charging, you know, $40 for their shipping. So then they could avoid it. So Etsy at some point, like took that into their own hands and like decided to charge a little bit for shipping too. So then they could some people weren't like getting around the system or whatever. So the fees always, they change, but Etsy is usually pretty upfront and transparent with their sellers about like when things are going to change and if you need to be aware of new things. I agree. I think the communication coming from Etsy is really great. And when I first started selling on Etsy, I also did some comparisons like using the Etsy shipping system and then typing in like all the same information in like pirate ship and other places like that. And you really do get a great rate on Etsy for shipping. So that is something really important. Like when you're using one of these like shipping services that kind of goes through the postal service, you get to take advantage of like these bulk discounts that they get to take advantage of. And even if it's only 20 cents, like that's 20 cents y'all. Um, so save your money. So the other thing that I really want to emphasize is I think there's this misconception with like new business owners that like they're trying to lessen the cost of doing business. Or if you are looking at like accounting sheets, you'll see it as CODB. And it's just something that you have to keep in mind when pricing your items. And I think unfortunately, a lot of people who are just getting started selling on Etsy don't necessarily have the business knowledge needed to understand that concept. And it takes experimenting and pricing itself. We have an entire episode 
and a mini sewed on it. We are completely transparent about how we price our items and even give y'all a great formula on how to price your items. So if you haven't listened to that episode, be sure to scroll back and take a listen if that's something that you're struggling with. And remember, it does take some experimenting, but something to remember is, for example, I also sell on my own website. So does Mariah. When you take payments from a customer, you are still paying a transaction fee. If you're using PayPal or you're using Stripe or whatever payment processing you're using, even if you were, you know, using a square card reader with a credit card, you know, you have to pay those transaction fees. It's why sometimes you'll see in restaurants, like they won't take a credit card if something is like under $5 or something, because, you know, they have to pay fees on all of that. I am not an accountant. Mariah is not an accountant and we are not tax professionals, which is why we believe in hiring accountants and supporting other small businesses. But I would encourage you to talk to an accountant because if you are a business, guess what happens to the cost of doing business in the United States, it becomes tax deductible. So you keep track of these fees that you are paying to sell items. And at the end of the year, that some amount is tax deductible and therefore lessens your taxable income as a business. And that's something that's really important to remember because I know obviously you want to be able to like streamline your selling process and cut down on those costs. But it's important to remember that like, regardless where you're selling, there are costs that go into doing business. It's just important to remember that no matter where or what you're selling, there is a cost associated of doing business and it just is what it is. So that moves us right into, so we want to go over kind of why Etsy's great. And the first thing that I thought of while Arlena was talking was that Etsy, Etsy gathers and pays sales tax, which is one of the benefits of doing it because if you're doing it on your own, sales tax is really complicated. Like it can be really complicated to pay your own states, to pay other states. Like things are crazy. Again, I'm not I'm not an accountant. Please hire an accountant if you do that, uh, because sales tax is confusing and it's separate than all the other like income taxes and stuff. But Etsy is the platform and they do all that for you, which is one of the things that, you know, one of the reasons why they charge fees because they're doing those things for you. So you don't have to worry about it. I 100% agree. Sales tax definitely is one of the most confusing parts of doing business, I think. And so that was, for me at least, a huge reason why I decided to start selling on Etsy because it helped me be able to like take the plunge into selling physical products without having to take on the responsibility of like interstate commerce and, you know, shipping products all over the United States and even sometimes out of the country. The other big reason Etsy is great is because when you first start your business, you may not have the upfront capital to be able to learn how to start your own website or pay somebody to design your website or the hosting fees, or maybe you don't know how to even start. And that's okay because there is a huge learning curve with creating your own website and figuring out the platform that is best, depending on what you're selling and what you want to be selling. And Etsy is a great way to be able to immediately start selling with a relatively low upfront cost. Yeah. And in addition to the low cost, Etsy also, one of the greatest things about Etsy is they also have a huge existing customer base and they have basically built-in traffic to your shop depending on kind of how you set your shop up and stuff, but that's a whole other issue um, that we'll probably uh, have future episodes on. 
it's really beneficial to have that customer base with a very low upfront cost. Because if you're talking about a separate website where you have to do the marketing, that can get really, really pricey really fast to be able to get customers to your store. And on Etsy, you it's like, I don't pay for ads or anything. I just kind of let Etsy's customer base find me based on my tags or whatever. And uh, that's how I get most of my sales. So you don't have to pay for all that other stuff. It's really just paying for the listing fee and paying for the fees when you actually sell something. Yeah. I think it's definitely important to remember that Mariah and I also both have like established social media followings and an audience existing. So we really get the benefit of being able to send our audience to Etsy, as well as being able to benefit from like Etsy's own algorithm and like SEO within the website for allowing new customers to purchase from us. But honestly, this leads directly into one of the cons I think with Etsy and why it isn't so great. And it's because generally there is like tons of competition for what your audience is searching for. I feel like a lot of times I see brands that blew up, like especially small businesses during COVID, you know, they started on Etsy and then all of a sudden they had half a million or multiple million followers on TikTok or Instagram. And they no longer felt like they were benefiting from Etsy in the same way, because obviously like they're sending their audience to a website that is not branded. And like, you're not getting the same level of information from your customers that you would be if you owned your own website and were sending your customers directly to your website. So I definitely think that, you know, if you're listening to this episode and you already have an established customer base and you want to start selling, you know, using a WordPress site or using Shopify or Squarespace or Wix, you know, like those are all other great options for you to be able to build your website yourself. And that is kind of one of the reasons I think primarily is you're also kind of like promoting your competitors in a weird way, because obviously like if somebody clicks on my sticker, they're going to see related stickers if they scroll down and not all of those stickers are by me. And I have no problem with promoting competition to an extent. Um, but it's just something again, that you have to keep in mind of the reality of what happens. And obviously you are also getting to benefit from that, but again, just something for you guys to keep in mind. Yeah. It's really hard to stand out from the crowd. And especially, um, like you were saying during COVID, there was such a boom of online stores and the first place people go to sell something handmade or whatever is going to be Etsy because Etsy is the biggest platform, most amount of people shopping. And so there was kind of a weird halt in Etsy during COVID where either people were spending a lot of money on your shop or they were not and finding other places and new sellers to buy from, especially sellers who maybe aren't really familiar with the pricing and charge a lot less because they're just doing it at home, trying to make some extra money or whatever. That also is another reason why Etsy can be not so great is there is a lot of competition when it comes to pricing and pressure to keep your pricing super low. There are some shops, yeah, okay, that can sell a t-shirt for $5 that's custom or whatever. Uh, and then I sell my t-shirt for $28. Like there's a big difference there. And sometimes I'm sure it causes me to lose sales, but I know my worth and we talked about it 
a lot in the pricing episode, but there's a big pressure to keep your prices low and that can cause you not to be charging enough or charging your worth. Like Mariah mentioned, we talked about that in our pricing episode. And that's one of the big things we mentioned is like when you want to price yourself low, Um, remember that small businesses are not Walmart. Like you can't necessarily have low cost strategy being the sole way that you differentiate yourself from other businesses. If you can't actually keep up with that demand. So the reason that you're able to see large businesses sell t-shirts that are semi-custom very affordably is because they're able to buy in super bulk. They get huge bulk discounts and they're not doing like the individual work for each t-shirt, like screen printing them or whatever, right? They're like buying them in bulk and then reselling them or doing pre-orders, which I am not knocking by any means. It's just something that you have to keep in mind with the difference in pricing is when you are selling a t-shirt for five bucks that you had to buy for you know, I don't know how people are getting t-shirts for less than five bucks in the first place, but that is not the point right now. The point is, is like using that as an example, think about like what you have to buy the t-shirt for what you had to buy the vinyl for, or the screen printing materials and how long it takes you. And are you charging for shipping? If you are, are you including shipping materials in that? And you know, if you're writing a handwritten card, you know, how much time are you putting into this? There are, there's just a lot that goes into, again, that cost of doing business, not to even mention setting aside money for income taxes, self-employment taxes. There's a lot that goes into doing business legally. And so those are just, again, some considerations. We definitely don't want you to feel pressure when you look on Etsy to make your products cheaper because again, Mariah and I have both not had any problem finding success in the platform because not everybody is looking for the cheapest product. Like, remember that if that's not who your audience is, that isn't who your audience is, period. And while we're talking about things on Etsy that aren't great, I'm going to touch very briefly on uh, that idea of the Etsy Karen that you see everywhere, (laughs) the customers that are really like rude and annoying. And we are here to tell you that that is not all the customers on Etsy. That's maybe like 1% of the customers out of my like 1100 sales. I think I've had one person like that. That's been really annoying. And the rest of the people have been wonderful. Like it's not the majority. And so don't let that and those like Karen stories stop you from building an Etsy store and selling on Etsy. Absolutely. Again, it's something that we've harped on before in previous episodes, but remember that negative experiences tend to be a little bit louder than positive experiences. Mm -hmm. So when you join these Etsy Facebook groups and you see people talking about these Karens, remember they're not posting about their 150 beautiful, amazing, and very supportive customers before that woman. If you're a business owner and you're listening to this episode and wondering, should I have my shop on a website or should I have my shop on Etsy? There are pros and cons of each. I'm a firm believer that it's a good idea to have both just in case. Um, I know that that means taking a lot of extra time to build both. Like right now, I've been kind of lazy and I haven't done it on my own website. I only have a few things on there. Um, My things that my two enamel pins that aren't custom um, and cost the least to ship. But I plan to migrate all my things over because also it's a good opportunity to see how much of what I'm selling on Etsy is coming from my own traffic. So 
it's kind of, I would say that it's beneficial to have both. It's not necessary, but there are benefits to having a website and benefits to having an Etsy. I agree. And I think I've seen a lot of people recently who do have both and they keep both. They again, keep certain things on their Etsy and certain things on their website, or they run certain sales on one or the other to push traffic one way or the other. And I think that's a great idea. I think something that I wish I could do on Etsy is like add questions to my checkout where, you know, I would love to be able to say like, where did you find me? Like, was it through like Etsy search or social media or word of mouth, you know, whatever it is, recommendation of a friend where, whereas I could customize my checkout form on my own website, but I can't do that on Etsy. I think it's one of those things where you can look at their statistics. They do provide you with statistics. You can use some third parties to be able to get additional details and demographics about your Etsy customers and the amount of time they're spending on your page and things like that. Um, Very similar to like Google Analytics, but it isn't quite as detailed as it would be if it was on your own website. One of the things we haven't talked about yet uh, that's actually part of possible fees on Etsy is um, their off-site ads fees, which are basically Etsy rolled out, I think like last year, basically rolled out doing Google ads and things uh, directly from Etsy. So if people click on Google ads or social media ads, Facebook ads, whatever, they take a larger percentage for that advertising fee, which some people hate and some people love. Personally, I love it because that just means more people with eyes on my item. Though some of the rules that come with that are kind of stupid. Like if someone clicks on an ad uh, within the next 30 days, if they buy from pretty much any Etsy shop that they found through that, uh, they'll take that offside ads fee, which is annoying. But that's one of the possible fees you need to work in. And it's one of the reasons to price your items correctly. So then that won't take all of your profits. So I'm saying all this, but actually I forgot that at some point I was under $10,000 or whatever in revenue. And so I was able to opt out of those offsite ads ad fees if I wanted to. Uh, but now that I'm over 10000 I am not able to opt out. So that's where my brain was coming from. <laughs> and um, now it's like, 12% instead of 15%. Um, I think that Etsy is very upfront. It's one of those reasons why if you're thinking about selling on Etsy, go and read about all this stuff. Read their seller handbook because they have lots of rules to follow, lots of little things, and that's going to make you 100% ready and like ready for anything that Etsy throws at you. And again, at the time of recording this episode, the offsite advertising fee for an order will never ever exceed hundred US dollars, regardless of the order total for an order attributed to an offsite ad. Um, so that is good depending obviously on what you're selling and the price of that item. But Mariah is definitely correct when stating how important it is to actually dig through. And my opinion is like, kind of look at it as a job. When you get a job, you're going to look through your workplaces, like policies and procedures, handbooks. You're going to check out like all the little bits and pieces and treat Etsy the same way. Like go through the seller's handbook, skim through the parts. Even again, if you're just skimming, at least you're familiarizing yourself with what's in there. They also have a lot of forums that are super helpful. Again, when I first started, I read tons of forums about shipping and advice and how to package items. And it is really, really cool that they've built those forums because again, I've found them like vastly helpful in certain situations, but there are definitely rules that you need to follow because just like we've talked about with your 
social media. You don't own Etsy the way you would own your own website. And so if Etsy decided that you broke a rule, they could shut your shop down overnight. And so it's always good to have a backup plan and also to be following those rules. So if it was done unjustly, you're then able to counter that decision so that they can reinstate your shop, which has happened. I think the most often reason we see businesses get shut down is copyright infringement. And normally it's things that people honestly know better than to be doing. You know, if you're selling a bunch of Disney stuff or again, like trademark infringement, you know, these are all things intellectual property laws are confusing, but there are some things that are not confusing and you can't sell Mickey mouse things for profit, unless you have expressed permission. And normally that means you're paying a licensing fee, which again, most of these people are not, um, but some are. So normally I think smaller shops see very large shops selling name brand items and getting away with it. And they don't realize that behind the scenes, they're paying licensing fees for all of their sales. Yeah. Just like Arlena said, the reason why you might want to have a website and an Etsy is just in case something like that happens. You have more control over your website. And if Etsy shuts you down for some reason, or, you know, cause there are a thousand reasons why they could shut you down. Like you could have a bunch of people that are really annoying and gave you a bunch of one-star reviews because shipping was taking too long, even though I think that they are pausing that right now. Etsy used to have it before COVID hit that if you had under a certain amount of like five-star reviews or your reviews were under um, a certain percentage, they could shut your shop down just like that because people weren't happy. And so luckily it's not happening right now because people are really, really angry about the whole shipping time thing, even though shipping is so out of our control, it's not even funny, but they may go back to that. That's why it's a good idea if you do, if you do have a shop on Etsy or you plan to, to really pay attention to those emails that they send out and notices because that could come back at any moment. And then you have to be careful and that could shut your shop down if something like that were to happen. So that's one of the benefits of having having a website is if your Etsy gets shut down because Etsy owns your shop, you have the website as backup. You can still have people shopping from there. Um, the other thing that Etsy has started rolling out recently, I think it was just like in the last month or two, is they just started a program um, that is called the Star Seller Program. People are kind of iffy about it. Um, they aren't like 100% behind it yet. What they want to do is reward the shops that have a good message response rate, a lot of five-star ratings, and on-time shipping and tracking for their products. So those are the three kind of categories that they are basing it off of. And it, they're saying like on the first of every month, you'll, you'll be able to qualify for it. So it'll pop up on your like Etsy shop that you're a star seller and you'll get benefits. Like you'll be higher in the search um, like when people search for a certain product, you might be higher than someone who isn't a star seller. Uh, they say that you'll have more chances to get featured um, like on their pages or whatever. That's an option. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet because it's brand new. And they say an opportunity for increased sales, which would make sense if you're going to get featured or you're going to be higher in the search rankings. I am on track to be a star seller for September. So I will keep you guys updated on whether or not it changes at all. I'm kind of curious to see if my number of sales is going to change even in the slightest 
becoming a star seller. So um, yeah, I will definitely keep you guys updated if you're interested about Etsy. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about you and getting the star seller badge and seeing it, like you said, what kind of impact it has, if any, on your business on Etsy. Um, And I think this is a really great place for us to kind of stop this episode. And as we start to wrap up, just kind of putting it out to you guys, the listeners, and seeing what specific questions that you guys want us to cover about Etsy. So we know that we went into a lot of different things, very surface level in this episode. There is so much we could talk about with Etsy and a lot of detail that we could get into that we were trying to avoid to have, you know, we don't want to give you like a two hour episode that you have to listen to. If y'all want to DM us on social media. You can find us at Imperfect Company on Instagram or at Imperfect Company Podcast on Facebook, or send us an email at hello at imperfectcompanypodcast.com. And Mariah and I will be sure to file it and write it down for our next recording and add it to the list because we want to make sure that we are covering the questions that y'all have. So thank you so much in advance for letting us know what questions you have and how we can help your business. And with that being said, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Company Podcast. For more information about today's episode and more, go to imperfectcompanypodcast.com slash episodes or use the direct link in this week's episode description. Join our community by following us at Imperfect Company on Instagram and at Imperfect Company Podcast on Facebook. You can also find us separately on Instagram by following Arlena at Bossy Brushstrokes and me, Mariah, at MJ Creative Co. If you like today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you like to listen. Our theme song is Clocks by Brasco. We can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye.